Miami has I have to say it. I'm not going to be the Alabama coach. What, 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 what? How could you not predict at least 10 to 13 wins for next season is all I'm saying. But Jesus again, Christ, 13 wins. I listen. You, I, know, I said, you want an opportunity to play, and the Jets have given me an opportunity to play. I just, I'm sorry. I just remember that you compared Kiseki to Kelsey. I'm sorry. I did not. You I'm know what? About it, I am ready to get hurt again. Welcome to episode five of the Battered Fins Fans podcast. I am the Bearded Fanatic. That is the Battered Jet fan, Danny G himself. Danny, how the hell are you doing today? I am doing pretty good. Uh, I can't complain. My Jets won yesterday. 500 for the first time in forever, so I'm, I'm doing good. How about yourself, I, sir? Well, you started off with that, so you just ruined my day a little bit just knowing that your Jets won this past <laughs> Sunday. But, alas, sir, we did come off of a loss on Thursday, but before we get into that, I, I said, let me reach out to a certain ex-Dolphin player that I follow on Twitter, and I said, hey, would you want to come have a conversation about this team with us? He was more than happy to do so, and I'll be telling you, I've been geeking out since he said yes. And I'm super excited to bring him onto the show. And um, I, I'm pretty sure now you know who he is because, you know, I showed him to you in the lobby. You had to, you know, you came into uh, knowing the football existence a little bit later in your career, unlike me. But, um, dude, I've been telling you for a week now, I'm super geeked out about this. Well, I, I um, because I got into football a little later than Manny did, I wasn't, uh, have, didn't have the pleasure to watch Mr. Richmond Webb on the on the field, but thank you for joining us, Mr. Richmond Webb. How you doing? Gentlemen, how y'all doing? Glad to be on the show. So thanks for having me. How y'all doing? Listen, we are uh, obviously he's doing a little bit better than than us Dolphin fans are this week, um, but ultimately I'm I'm excited. I'm stoked. You know, I'm gonna tell you, I'm a little geeked out right now because again, I know who you are since 1990, so it's like. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to compose myself, you know, this, you know, but I'm going to do my as good as I can. You good. You good. We're going to have some fun. It's going to be an easy show. So um, we're going to relax and, and talk football. And that's always easy. So I feel I, I you. I'm in good hands. I, I'm in good hands. So. All right. Good to hear. All right. Well, obviously, for those who don't know, uh, big man, Richard McWed, left tackle, used to protect one for me, the greatest quarterback of all time. As far as passing goes, Dan Marino. You were drafted ninth overall for the Miami Dolphins. You played 11 seasons with the Dolphins. Um, you started almost every single game as a rookie. You only gave up two sacks that year. When it comes to um, what you look for in a left tackle, it's like you are the epitome of that. And, and I'm sure that people have gassed you up before, and it's all merited. But I, I, my first question to you is, you know, I guess from a player perspective, how does the Hall of Fame voting work? And the reason I ask you that is because – I feel like you, as being as prominent of a left tackle as you were, the amazing career you had, the litany of Pro Bowls that you had, I feel like you and Zach Thomas, when it comes to not being in the Hall of Fame, are kind of like the biggest snubs from not being in the Hall yet. Do you kind of know how that voting works? I, I, I do know they come out with an annual list of 100, 125 guys. And we consistently make that list. And then from there, you go semi-finalists, finalists, and from the finalists, I think it's 15 finalists. And then from there, they select, I'm going to say, approximately six players. It might be a coach or announcer or something like that. But um, the fans do get a vote. That I think uh, I think the players that's actually in the Hall of Fame get a vote. And the media gets a vote. But I think the media vote is – weighted much heavier than the fan vote so hmm. 
Um, that I'm not for sure on that, but I think this has kind of structure. Okay, and well, that would make a little sense if it, if it was media driven that had the bigger because you I'm sure you know it's like a lot of us are big sellers on that you should be in the hall. Um, I, believe me if I'm wrong, Kuchenberg was is a finalist this year as well. Um, Zach Thomas should definitely be in the hall. So those are if it was media driven, I think you guys would have been in there many moons ago. But that's just my point of view. Danny, any questions regarding that? No, uh, no, I just saw that Tony Baselli made it this past season. And I'm not sure how Tony Baselli is in and you're not. Like the only thing I could really think and figure is they need a represent a representative of the Jaguars because outside of him, they have nobody else. I don't think Fred Taylor's gonna make it. So he would be the only one to represent them. And I mean, if you think about the Jaguars over the last 20 years, I can't think of anybody that's going to be making the Hall of Fame that would represent them in the next 20 or 30 years. So I'm, I'm assuming that's the edge that he got. I think that's, I mean, I think it's, it's not necessarily all based off of merit, but I mean, I would assume that that's why, because otherwise I can't see when you compare your careers, just it length, accomplishments, accolades, it just, it makes no sense to me, but you know. Yeah, well, one thing I can't say that Tony was—he was a really great player. He, yeah, time he was playing, he was one of the top tackles in the league. And unfortunately, just like you know, some other players, um, injuries prevented him from having longevity in a sport that he loves. But um, like I say, that's up to the voters. But I yeah. think definitely he was a Hall of Fame player. He just his career was cut short because of uh, injury. So I will say that. No doubt on that. I, I, I love Tony Baselli growing up. I thought he was an amazing left tackle. And then, obviously, Houston thought enough of him that when they had their inaugural, their inaugural draft, they drafted Tony Baselli to their team. So when they had the expansion draft, that was their first pick. So even at that point in his career, that's how much they regarded Tony Baselli that he was an amazing left tackle. But nonetheless, I think he should be in the hall. We'll leave it at that. But <laughs> like you said, you came to talk some football. And – Unfortunately, and we won't spend too much time on the tour injury, but we all saw Thursday night football. And leading into that game, I, I my conversation with Danny was the offensive line for the Cincinnati Bengals, I felt were going to be a letdown against our front four. I thought that we would have the strength in that game going into it. We didn't, I think we only got to him one time during that game. Um, not having Teddy Bridge, I mean, sorry, not having Tua in the game, I think affected, but even while he was in there, I felt like he was trying to force a lot of things downfield just trying to get that offense going because, long behold, the week before, basically the, the, the Miami Dolphins defense was on the field for about 42 minutes. So they came into this game exhausted, and I know that he was trying to do everything he can to keep them consecutive drives going and going. But ultimately, when you saw what happened to a, I guess, what was your mindset as a fan first and then as a player? Because always as a player and a fan, I could tell you that when I saw the injury, I didn't care what happened after the game. Like, I, I texted him right away, and I go, win or lose, I don't care anymore. That was devastating for me to watch, and I could just imagine that both his mom and dad were in the stands too. So I guess kind of give me your feedback, your fan and as a player looking at that injury. Yeah, you know, it, it looked really bad on um, on television watching the game, and I knew, um, you know, going to Cincinnati, it was a whiteout night. It was a primetime game, and – you know, their backs were up against the wall. They already had one loss. They definitely want to be 500 at this time of the season. But I thought it was a winnable game for the Dolphins. But uh, like you said, some of the concerns with uh, just play Buffalo, 
defense got a ton of snaps, time of possession, this and that. And then the turnaround, you play at home, but, you know, th- three days later, you're on a plane heading to play another game. That, that's a really quick turnaround. And the previous game, um, you know, Tua took that hit in the Buffalo game. And at first I thought it was a concussion, which I think most people did because he kind of got him stumbled. And then after they took him in and said, um, you know, it was a back or an ankle, I was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess you just kind of trust what the doctors say, but now we know totally different now. But looking at what happened Sunday versus what happened Thursday night, that was really scary. I mean, I was watching the game, but it was – you're right. It, it puts you in a whole different mindset that the game wasn't really important. You see a guy get caught, carted off the field and, you know, I, I felt for the players and stuff. And I can uh, remember when I was playing, um, we call the guy Speedy, but he was an offensive lineman. But anyway, I can remember he actually, he ended up getting, you know, paralyzed. I think we were in practice, but anytime a serious injury like that happens, it just, it kind of rattles you a little bit. So um, I thought Teddy did a good job, you know, having to step in, you know, you don't get the preparation as a backup, but you got to be ready to go. But um, uh, that was, that was tough to watch. And then the aftermath of all what's been going on, the social media and, you know, the sports channels are just eating that up. But the good thing is, he's making progress and I'm glad to see that all his extremities returned before they left and he was able to fly back with the team. Yeah, that was huge for me as well. What about you, Danny, watching that game? Um, well, first of all, when I first saw him fall, I didn't think that the the, the hit or the, the hit to the head was that bad. I thought he landed more on his shoulder. So when he kind of just, um, you know, just tensed up or his, his, his hands tensed up, I, re- I was really confused as to what I was watching. Um, obviously, once the stretcher came out and everything, you realized it's another blow to the head. And then you kind of start thinking back to Sunday. I mean, that was the first thing I texted you. I was like, you know what? They're going to connect these two events, and there's going to be a lot of talk tomorrow. And and I, I was assuming, but it wasn't even as much as I th- – it ended up being worse than I thought as far as the media attacking the Dolphins. Now, this whole – when they said that it was a back injury, mm-hmm. there's been some people that come out and have speculated that the reason they said that is because even if he's going to pass uh, concussion protocols, it would take longer than four days to pass those concussion protocols. So he would end up not being able to play against the Bengals even if he didn't have a concussion because it would take too long to pass those concussion protocols. Yeah. So some people are speculating that that's why they announced as a back injury. And I also think that it's kind of weird that they said that they were going to investigate what was going on, but the investigation goes longer than the Thursday night game. What if you investigate and find out that something was really actually wrong? Like at that point, it doesn't matter because he already played that game on Thursday. Right. So a, a lot of weird things going on. But I, again, I, I don't fault the Dolphins for trusting their doctors. I mean, if the doctors tell you that he's good, I would hope that Mike McDaniel and the staff would care enough about the player, which I would assume 100%. that for the most part they do. It looks like they have a good relationship. I would assume that you care enough that you're going to keep him out if he can't play. I did think that it was a bad PR move as far as bringing him back on Sunday because I was shocked when he came back into the game. After the way he stumbled and almost fell over, I could not believe that he came back to the game. So as far as the way it looked, I thought that it wasn't a good look. But the way he played, obviously, it didn't look like he was out of tune. It looked like he was perfectly in tune. So, um, yeah, that Thursday night game, I I, I knew it was going to get linked to Sunday. And it's unfortunate because – 
I, I really think that Tua was starting to hit a groove and this offense was starting to hit a groove. And, and that's kind of how I felt about it as well. I just like you, how you said, Rich, I saw him go down. I saw initial, I, when they showed the replay that he did take a, a bad shot to the back, trying to rush it into the goal line earlier in the game. I'm like, all right, maybe you put two and two together. But the way he came out of the second half, hitting those two big third down conversions, I said, all right, maybe it wasn't a concussion. But alas, he, he's getting better. That's the, the best part about it. But let's go ahead and talk. Uh, let's talk about the, the, the loss now. We were in that game, Rich, and we were in that game with a, with a quarterback who had no snaps coming into the into that game. They gave Tua all the prep. Obviously, he knows the playbook. He's been in there since the preseason. But it, there's a big difference with knowing the playbook and actually running those reps throughout the whole week. The majority of those reps did go to, uh, to Tua. So when I watched the game, I looked at it from, all right, the, obviously the playbook's going to be a little bit condensed. He's not going to have everything at his disposal. But I thought for what they gave him, I thought he really did a good job. And even that interception at the end of the game, it, it was an interception, in my opinion. I don't know if you saw the replay. But it, for me, it was an interception. But I think at that point, even if it was, I think he was just trying to make a play to get him in the game. Because they were basically in that game with two minutes and 38 seconds left. But what was your take on what you saw from Teddy B? Uh, like I said, you know, you know, I understand exactly where you're coming from. You know, as a backup, you know, like I said before, majority, the starters are going to take 85 to 90% of the reps, especially during their, their, their time. If you're on offense, you're going to get the majority of the reps. So as a backup, you can't just sit back and not do anything. You have to be mentally prepared, right. but different when you're taking the actual reps, getting the timing with the receivers, you're actually getting the scan of defense as a quarterback and go through your progressions and say, oh, this and that. And you listen, like say if Tua, say his Tyreek Hill, and they say, well, hey, Kaseki was really who you should have hit on this one. You know, you, you take that in, but it's different when you see the rep, when you're doing the reps, and then you say, okay, I get it. So if this comes up again and you see it in the game, you're like, okay, really, Gasecki should be my first look. This If he's open, I'm going to hit him, this and that. So, um, like I said, Teddy put it back, but he didn't play bad at all. I mean, I was, I was really impressed. And like you said, I think the defense definitely is tired. It definitely hurt. Um, what really hurt was when X went out with the groin injury or whatever we had. Uh, Just huge yeah. ice packs on his leg. I was like, I didn't know it was that bad. You get a backup, you get a backup defensive back end. The first thing your team is going to do is go test him out. And right at him. Huge, I'm not, not saying he didn't, didn't, didn't play well or whatever, but it's a drop off between him and X. And so, you know, they found, found a couple of plays, made a big plays and, and, uh, you know, that was a little bit different, but, you know, we're going to lick our wounds. Like I say, after the four, 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 first four games, if you're three and one, you're sitting in pretty good position. If we can go, you know, three and one, you know, break it up into four little sections, this and that, you're looking at 12 and four, 12 and five, maybe 13 and four. It's only how you look at it. So it's like, don't expect to always go undefeated the whole season. Or break it up into sections. I think that'll give you a better, different outlook on it. Danny? Xavier Howard, is it just me or has he had a rough start to the year? I think so. Because I think he, I think for at least there's certain players that you put at a certain caliber, right? You're a certain level and you expect them to play. And he hasn't played, at least I think, to I the level, level he's played in previous, right? Yeah. Because this game, before he came out of the injury, didn't T. Higgins beat him for a long touchdown? Or, or was that the backup? 
he, well, that was the same game. He got beat, but I think he's been nursing this injury. For I sure. think even so. That couple, would make more sense. Yeah. So, but I mean, T. Higgins, great player, and, and no, that's for sure, for sure, beat, but. He hadn't played because, level that you normally see X. And then all, what else ties in is from Agba and Jason Phillips, we hadn't been getting the pressure on the quarterback. Right. I make him rush things. That everything has to work together. And when it's all in chemistry and this and that, um, our defense hadn't looked like because normally they don't take that long to get off the field. And they've had two games where they've really had to grind it out, grind it out, grind it out. And that, and that does wear on you, especially early in the season. And I was telling Manny last episode that um, he wanted the Dolphins to come out and just eat Joe Burrow because of the Bengals offensive line. And I, I was telling them, I don't think the Bengals offensive line is as bad as everybody thinks. The first two weeks they played against TJ Watt and one hell of a pass rush. Uh, this other guy, Hightower, I forgot the other kid on the other side. Yeah. Great pass rush. Then right. they played against Mika Parsons and Lawrence in Dallas. Those are great pass rushes. When you have a great pass rush against an average offensive line, you yeah. can look great. But, I mean, they're not as bad. And also, they have great coaching staff. I, I, don't, I don't remember if they ran any trick plays on Thursday night. But when they played against the Jets, they were throwing flea flickers. It was quick screen plays, no. dump-offs. No. They if we have a bad offensive line, I'm going to figure out a way to be successful with this bad offensive line. So, yes, you can get me the first two weeks, but I promise you I'm going to game plan for the next three, four, five weeks on how to work around this. So it's not going to be as easy to get to Joe Burrow as it was those first two weeks when they were still figuring things out. So I do think that it's, it's, it's been a little overblown at how bad the offensive line is. And to your point, Manny, I did think the Dolphins had a great chance to win this game. And I think Tua – was unfortunate that, that that Edmonds dropped that ball in the end zone. Yeah. Because you guys should have had seven there. You should have had the same drive where Tua got injured. You should have had a field goal there. He the was like a 50-yarder. Right? That, that's 10 points right there that you should have had. And those were all basically produced by Tua because up until that point, Tua had basically done everything. Yeah. So I, I think it's really unfortunate that you guys weren't able to pull off this win because I felt like you guys played well enough, even with Teddy in there, to, to, to take the, this game. Yeah, and, and that goes back to what you said, um, and it goes to Richmond's point, that Xavier is – he's great. I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but when your pass rush is working as, as effectively as it was last year and the year before, those zero blitzes getting after the quarterback, he doesn't have to do as much to try to defend the corner. Now, I don't think he's taking a step, step back. I think he is nursing an injury. He's been nursing it for quite some time because even if you go back to the Buffalo game, it was literally the dump-offs that were hurting us. Nobody was beating us over the top. And that's kind of what Joe Burrow came out and did. Our corners were trying to stand with them, and, and they were for the most part. Jamar Chase was being locked down for, until Xavier got out of the game. Then they just started going after our, our rookie corners, and it is what it is. But like you said, they spent a lot of time on the field. Even with Tua going down, it was a bunch of three and outs, three and outs, three and outs. We're kind of beating a dead horse here. The defense did spend way too much time in the field, but also because our offense was being ineffective most of the time. But let's talk about that for a second because we are going to go into next week with Teddy Bridgewater. That's already been said. Teddy Bridgewater will play. Rich, how do you feel based off what Teddy Bridgewater used to be, right? Because obviously the Minnesota Vikings, Teddy Bridgewater, that guy was a game changer. Not taking any way. But ever since the injury, for me, visually, he's taking a little bit step back. In Denver, he was exciting at times and then other times not so exciting. 
with a full week of preparation for the New York Jets, how do you think it will go for Teddy Bridgewater? I, I think it'll go uh, better. Like you said, when he was in Minnesota before the injury, he was he was pretty spectacular and, and, and probably more consistent. And like I said, up and down in Denver. But um, like I said, I like what I saw with him coming in into the Cincinnati game. But the other factor that I like is I really like Mike McDaniel's offense. And it seems like he looks and sees what puts a player in the best position to, to get the most productivity out of him. And we have saw that with Tua and with the weapons we have. You know, you got Waddle, you got Cheetah, you got Gasecki, you got these guys here. He's going to call plays that, you know, Tua was left-handed, but Teddy's right-handed. So, um might do a little bit more stuff to the right, stuff like that. But uh, I, I, I love his offense, man. It's it's it's, it's exciting. It's exciting, and it was at, you... when he was at Forty uh, ers So I'm not concerned at all. I think Teddy will do fine against the Jets. Do you think you guys are going for the home run ball a little too much though? Because I feel like maybe you guys are losing a little bit of patience. Because I feel like you guys are going deep a lot more often than I thought you would. You know what I think it is? I think if it's open and it's there, they're going to take a shot at it. And no. you got a guy, Cheetah probably runs a 4-2, and Waddle's not far from it. If, if they get open or a guy misses a tackle, you know, that they're bit. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. That sounds like the old Raiders. Offense, right. Where they used to just line up and just throw a deep every play. And like you say, that'll cause a bunch of three, three and outs. But yeah. the other thing I'd like to see is us be a little bit more consistent. With the know, run? Run, running that definitely helps the balance and stuff like that yeah mm. and that's kind of how it felt when teddy bridgewater came into the game uh granted again the playbook was probably condensed for him but i felt like raheem moster was getting his legs underneath him and getting some good chunk plays when running the rock it, it didn't have to be consistently to him and you know you got the the twitter coaches all going crazy well, why are we running the ball so much i'm like if, if it's being effective why wouldn't we continue running the ball and that's kind of what i like from it i think Teddy did a lot of good rolling out of the pocket. There was this one where the guy was literally on him, and the way he spun out of that, got down the field and got that first down, I'm like, this is pretty good. And as far as an athlete goes, I think Teddy Bridgewater is the better athlete than than Tua is. I'll still take Tua's arm any day of the week. The accuracy that guy has is amazing. Teddy got it down there to Cheetah, though, on that one play. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And again, got it down there. It was was somber for me because even watching that bomb to to the Cheetah, I was – my mind was still on on two of the whole entire. So I, I, it was, I wanted to get excited about it, but mentally I just couldn't. But let me ask you a question. We already know he's not going to play, Rich. You were a player, and at the end of the day, you want to play. Concussion, hurt ankle, back sore, all that. You you want to be on the field, right? Right. Tua, I, I'm going to say, even though he, let's say he did pass the concussion test, I believe him. I believe him when he said that he did pass it. I believe McDaniel's for sure. I kind of hate all the hate that McDaniel was getting. Oh, you shouldn't have put him out there, blah, blah, blah. I think he personally believed that Tua was good, and that's why he put him out there. But now that we're here, we know that he's in concussion protocol. We don't know when he'll be back. But if he cleared every single test leading up to this game, would you even play him this week? Or how long would you keep Tua out if you were the head coach of the Miami Dolphins? Yeah, I I definitely – even if he passed it, I definitely wouldn't. (laughs) Uh, I would give him an extra week. Um, I, I think we got 10 days to prepare for the Jets. And like you said, I, we saw really good things from Teddy Bridge, Bridgewater. So it gives you confidence to say, okay, if we need to rest him for an additional week, it doesn't hurt because we feel we're in good hands with Teddy. So 
Uh, that's the last thing. And just say he was, like you say, past it, protocol, this and that. He goes out, plays well, and doesn't get a concussion. It's still going to open up a can of worms because people are going to say, you should have said him even though he passed this and that. So I think they're going to give him that extra week, and that gives um, it gives a whole different look or projection that that you really do care about the player. It's not about just trying to get wins and stuff like that. So I, I think they're they're going to do some damage control, but whether he passes it or not, I don't see him playing this week. So, Denny, I'm going to ask you a little bit different than that. So, obviously, he's not playing this week. Obviously, I know your feelings about he shouldn't have came back last week. I get all that. On if Sunday, we, yeah. I didn't think he should have came back on Sunday. Huh? If we win against the New York Jets this week, would that kind of put you in a more position? All right, we won this past game with Teddy Bridgewater. Would you give him another week off? Or if he's ready 100%, would you bring him back against Minnesota? It depends. If they tell me that he passed his protocol before the Jets game even happens, then I think I'd feel a little more comfortable because that means he has a, a week a full week after passing the protocols. But if the Jets game passes and he's just passing the protocol a day or two after that, I would wait until a full week after he clears protocol. Once they tell me he's clear, let's wait a full week. Let's give him a full seven days. I mean, at this point, I mean, does it really hurt? I mean, the Jets, I mean, I'm a Jets fan and everything, but we're not the best team in the world. So, I mean, I'm sure you guys have a chance to beat us with Teddy Bridgewater. And then you have the Vikings after that. So it's not like you have world beaters coming at you either. And then you have the Steelers after that, and then the Lions, then the bit. My God, you guys have such an easy schedule. Whoa, whoa, whoa. hey, listen. Any <laughs> given Sunday, all right? Any given Sunday. That's relax. Jesus relax. Christ. Man, don't I was away with that. Man. I was about to say. <laughs> I, I, was, I was waiting for the hard teams to come up with. <laughs> we just started the season against the Patriots, the Bengals, the Bills. What do you mean easy yeah, schedule? Well, 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 Teddy Bridgewater came in at the perfect time, apparently. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, so now get to the fun part, Rich. We are gonna we got the Jets coming up, and anytime we face the Jets, like I said, me and, and my boy here, we've been friends twenty plus years. He's been a Jet fan as long as I know him, and the reason this show works the way it does is because we're as middle as the pack as it comes when it comes to our teams. Yep. We don't get too high, we don't get too low. We're very honest about what our team is. But coming into this week, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater, whether it's um, <laughs> whether it's Tua. I like our chances, but we'll get into the prediction time here in a second. I kind of want to pick your mind. You you spent a lot of time, and you spent a lot of time playing against the New York Jets. Is there any story that just sticks to the back of your mind of anything when you played the New York Jets? The the one that probably is the most famous is when Danny had the clock play and oh, the, uh, fake, we were, the fake spike. We were playing. We were playing in New York, and. Um, we won that – well, two. I'll bring up the other one that's just yeah. put a smile on Danny's face. But that one um, – but, but the thing about that play, if you go back and watch it when he did that, everybody knew what was going on except the offensive line. So, man, you just thought it was a clock play. And, uh, you know, you see the guys rush and stop and then they start back, and we kind of look awkward because you're trying to react to why is this guy starting to rush again. And uh, so that one there, and then – it was a Monday night game back in New York. And Monday Night Miracle? Tell me it's the Monday Night no, Miracle. No. No. Is it no. Miracle Jets? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, think I don't think you were with the Dolphins back that you know, It was it, – hey, Manny, it was so bad. I mean, the first half, we crushed them. I mean, we was running through them. They, they didn't have no answer for us. And at that time, Brian Cox was playing with the 
Yeah, so he, he was like, man, you know we're going to come back and win this game. I was like, be Cox, man, be quiet, go to the locker room. <laughs> so the game turns around, and it's like, just like it was working for us in the first half, it's working for the Jets. And I think even Jumbo Elliott caught a touchdown. That, that, oh, you know, that is the midnight miracle. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that man, was- and, uh, what, what's the fireman that, that's always on somebody? Fireman Ed. Fireman Ed. Fireman Ed. Goodness, he's up here leading all these. I'm like, I need to go up there and knock him off that guy. <laughs> so uh, uh, I'm going to tag we, him in this. We, we, we lose the game, and then I remember we get back to Miami, and it was a, it was a, um, it, uh, I think it was 99 Jams was radio station. Yeah, yeah. Media Marvin Dixon, you probably heard of him. He used to, you know, go do yeah. shows. Yeah. Funny guy, this and that. And uh, he had a line I'll never forget. He said, yeah, the Dolphins won on Monday, but they lost on Tuesday. Because I was like, oh, man. Yeah, yeah that, Marvin was my man. It, it was just – for Jets well, fans, that's a good memory, but not for – Yeah, that is. That, that's my – that literally my favorite Jets-Dolphins memory is that one. Can you let so, him know when you became a Dolphins fan? Can you let him know real quick? The, the first I mean, full the NFL fans, game, the first full NFL game I ever watched was the Midnight Miracle. Are you I was, yeah, I wasn't very big on football. I mean, I don't want to bore people with my story, but real quick, I wasn't big on football. I was in uh, 10th grade, and then I, this, I had just moved to Miami, and this Dolphin fan knew I was from New York, so he just started talking crap to me because he just assumed I was a Jets fan. And he talked so much crap, I was like, I have to watch this game yeah. and, and, and see what happens. I yeah. sat through the whole game. At first, I was like, this is – wow, what a – I'm going to get so much crap talk to me tomorrow. And the way it ended, I was hooked. I became a Jets fan, and, and here I am 20 years later. Well, 22 years later. So let me ask you a question real quick before we move on to that. Another way, maybe you could have been a Dolphin fan, but yeah. I maybe if it would have ended another way. I highly doubt it, but, but maybe. Well, so got me- <laughs> yeah, maybe that would have helped too. Man. So, Danny, yeah. let me ask you a question real quick because I never asked you this. How was that Tuesday conversation with that guy? Oh, that, that it was beautiful. It was and, beautiful. And, and the fact that like once I started talking to him, other Dolphins fans started like popping up in the class defending him. I was like, "Well, I'm the villain. This is beautiful. I oh, love this." Yeah. And, and and it just it just became that. And and the more people disliked the Jets, the more I loved them, and it just became a thing. And here I am. I should have chosen the Giants, honestly, but you know what? It is what it is. No, you had to stick with him. You did right, and you still riding with him. So I, I can I'm ride still him. riding with him. Yep, that's it. I still regret not choosing the Giants, but it's, it's okay. I still, I can't, I can't change now. I've tried. I can't, I can't hey, do hey, it. Bro, it's either or in New York. It ain't no in between. So no, yeah. it, it, unfortunately, no, it ain't. Yeah. Well, we finally made it to the end where we get to finally pick this game. And listen, anytime we play the Jets, I, you know, I get excited for it. It could be we're one in fifteen. It could be you guys are one in fifteen. It's just I enjoy that rivalry so much even if we haven't been able to play for much in the past few seasons. And, and, and I say few being kind because we know we haven't played for much in a very long time. But, Danny, coming into this game, you have your boy Zach Wilson back. I did get to enjoy watching your game this time. And by enjoy, I mean I sat there and watched it because I had nothing else to watch. And <laughs> But Zach Wilson did look good at times. He looked good at times. but He wasn't too good on third downs a few times. But for the most part, for for being a rusty quarterback coming into the first game and being against Pittsburgh, I was like, all right, he doesn't look he doesn't look half bad. And that's kind of what we wanted to see going into that game, that he does start and that he plays well. I think for the most part, he did play well. Um, 
our from our side, we have Teddy Bridgewater. He's going to have 10 days to prep for you guys. Uh, our defense is finally rested. I'm sure there was plenty of massages, plenty of cold tubs, plenty of relaxing those muscles because they spend a lot of time. Field. We don't know if Xavier, Xavier is still questionable for this game. Um, your boy Davis, uh, again, looked amazing against the Steelers as well. He caught one of the touchdown passes. Um, oh, Corey Davis, yeah. Yeah, Corey Davis. And, we're three uh, receivers deep. So if well, Xavier Howard is down, that, that's a big advantage for us because we're three receivers deep. Braxton Burials look good as well. Um, I, one of the things you mentioned last week was Tyler Conklin. Maybe he's not going to be as effective. He wasn't as effective this past week. So good call on that. But for the most part, we're, we are playing on the road. So I don't want to be too overconfident. So my score to use is going to reflect that. I think that we do win this game, but I think it's going to be closer than what people expect. I kind of see the kind of score how you guys just had against the Steelers. Maybe one possession, maybe three points. I'm thinking more of a 20 to 17 game that we win on the road. But that's kind of my my feelings on that before we get to Rich, because I really want his view on it. What do you think for this upcoming week? Uh, if you guys keep – because I, I, I've been watching you guys, obviously, all year. And you guys bring that zero blitz quite often. You live by it. You die by it. Zach even Wilson when it, was- Even when it doesn't work. Right, Zach Wilson was pressured seventy times. I'm sorry, seventy percent of the time this this past game, he was running around basically the whole game. He only got sacked once, so he can make plays with his legs. Yes, he if can. you guys are gonna bring the zero blitz consistently, I think that bodes well for us because Zach Wilson can get out of the pocket and and he could he could uh, produce can, right. with his legs. So I, I do think that we're gonna squeak out a win, and I say that knowing that it seems like whenever the Jets beat the Dolphins, it's in Miami because it feels like whenever the Dolphins go to New York, it's like it's impossible to beat you guys. And I'm not sure what it is, but I can't remember the last time we beat you guys at home. But it's I a do, MetLife takeover. Yeah, okay. So I do think it's going to happen this week. I do think that Zach Wilson will be the difference because with his legs, he'll produce. Yeah. And I, I think we can get the dub. All right. Well, now, Rich, if Will was playing, I might feel a little different. But with Teddy Bridgewater, I think we can handle it. I like that. Well, you you know you know the teams well. You you watch every single game like we do as a fan, ex player. So coming into this week, this many days off, it's kind of like that what they consider a mini buy. Having that much preparation, being able to watch the Jets on Sunday, you kind of kind of feel good about this game, right? I, I feel good about this game, but. Uh... I think you said it right, Manny. Uh, you can almost throw out the record when we play the Jets. Um, it's, it's a rivalry game. It's a division game. I think both teams understand the importance of winning your divisional games. Um, and I think both both of you bring up, you know, even Danny with the zero blitz, and we've gotten hit on that a couple times. I think in the Baltimore game, that's the we was in zero blitz when um, Lamar Jackson took that run to the house. So. Um, I'm sure that the I'm sure I'm not saying we're not going to blitz, um, <laughs> but I think um, they'll probably come up with some different ones. And you got to be careful when you blitz. If you got an athletic quarterback, if he breaks through there and breaks containment, you know he can hurt you with his legs. So um, unless you know you have somebody spy or something, but I'm thinking it's going to be a close game. You know, of course I'm I'm going to pick the Dolphins, but. Uh, I think it's going to be maybe three point game. You know, it's always three or four points. Right. I it's never I'm a blowout. Like that. I don't. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I mean, I'll be happy if it is, but I just think it's going to be much closer than what most people think. Xavier Howard's availability is going to be the difference there because if I you guys so. start blitzing, 
and I'm not exaggerating. I don't want to tout up too much our receivers, but we have three legitimate great receivers, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, and Corey Davis. If you guys don't have Xavier Howard and you guys are bringing the house for a blitz, one of those three is going to get free. And Zach Wilson can buy enough time with his legs to find one of them for a big play. It happened against the Steelers, and it, I, I really think that Xavier doesn't play. That's going to be huge. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Rich, I haven't looked at the injury report, but we saw Byron Jones practice, well, warming up last week. So I think he's closer to returning. He may return this game, even if Xavier Howard is out. We'll obviously look at that as well. But if you have X and Byron Jones on the field, and then you have uh, Darth Kohu, as they're calling him, at the nickel right now, he's playing great ball. You still have Nick Needham out there. I think that will at least put our defense back at full strength. If that's the kind of we go into, I feel even more confident about getting that victory. Yeah, and, and, and he brings up a great point with X. I, I think if X is not able to go, like you said, Jones, it should be coming off IR, and uh, that'll definitely help it. If, if I mean, most teams know if if X is not playing, you got a backup in there, and, and that's going to be the guy that if 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 they find him in, in single coverage, that's going to be the they're going to attack him to see if he can hold up against. Like they got good receivers, so um, like like Danny said. They're going to go after him. But I, I think if X is not in there, I'm not saying we won't blitz, but I don't think they will just all out blitz all the time because you put, you got to have the cornerbacks to play that. And then when you got good receivers, you can't just leave them exposed. Like that. More cover, too, is what you're kind of saying. Like, we can't go man to man, especially if we don't have X on the field. So you're yeah. thinking more cover, too, against the New York Jets. Yeah. I, I will tell you, if you guys have need a reason to feel good about your chances, I will tell you that we have lost our top four tackles. So we are playing with our fifth and sixth tackles. Well, no, let, let me let me change that. Not fifth and sixth tackles. Our fifth tackle and our right guard has moved to like tackle. So so we're 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 hurting at the offensive line. We're keeping a lot of tight ends to have block where we got the running backs chipping off the ends. So we're we're doing everything possible. There's a reason why Zach Wilson was running for his life last game. So what you're saying is that if there's a day for Jalen Phillips and Emmanuel Ogba to eat because they weren't able to eat last week, it's going to be this week. That's what you're basically saying. There's a better chance, yes. There's okay. definitely a better chance. There's definitely a better chance. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, this was episode five of the Batter Fins Fans podcast. It goes without saying, Rich, I, I hope you, you do this again with us because for me itself was a great honor. To be able to talk to an ex-Dolphin player, I got a funny Marino story for you. If you want to hold on, I'll let you know. Okay. Uh, I, I don't want to blast him on here. <laughs> but it, it was an honor having you. I, I believe you belong in the Hall of Fame. I think you will be in the Hall of Fame. Um, but it, it was truly an honor to have you here to, with us to talk some Dolphins football. Hey, the, ple the pleasure was mine. Uh, Danny, Manny, thanks for having me on. And uh, I, I like it because – you know, I always say this, not only in sports or anything, but even if we're on both sides or opposite sides of the spectrum, we should be able to have a conversation, communicate, and, you know, without, you know. Just, it's all fun. It's, it's good. It's, it's, it's good. And, 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 and you can be honest and neutral. And like you said, y'all been friends for 20 years. I, I, man, that's, that's beautiful. So I, I'm always, I love hearing stories like this because y'all are an example of, what life really should be like. You should be able to communicate. Even if, if I'm a Democrat and Republican or vice versa, say it. You should be able to talk it and then just say at the end of the day, okay, man, we still cool, but we're going to just agree to disagree. So, right. I like, I like that. One that. quick question for you. 
Okay. Did Bruce Smith ever knock you on your ass? Yeah, he did, man. I, okay. I, I was just told this story. Um, we, we were playing in Miami, and um, Dan had threw an a interception, and I was, you know, running, trying to get the guy. And, and oh, got, so he – oh, boy. Yeah, D-Cleater. That was bad. Listen, <laughs> not just Bruce Smith. He also had the pleasure to go going up against Lawrence Taylor a few times as well. Yeah. Ooh. Nice, nice. I, yeah, I, I have Mo Lewis. Um, yeah. Um, ah, Mo Lewis, that's a Marvin, sour spot for me. I used to love Mo Lewis. You know, Marvin's got a son at University of Georgia. I didn't D-line. know. That. The linebacker went to Florida State, middle linebacker for the Jets. Marvin Jones? Yeah. Uh-huh. Ah, that's awesome. Good All memories. Right. Yeah. Good yeah. It was great having you. Danny, as always, it's a pleasure talking Dolphins football with you. I know tomorrow we'll be linking up again with a big-time Jets fan on your show. So I'm yes, looking sir. forward to that. Mr. Richard Webb, again, it was a pleasure having you, good sir. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. And like you say, I'm sure we'll do it again. It, this this was – I had a good time. So I appreciate y'all having me on the show. We're, we appreciate you. Thanks a lot for joining us. All right. Looking forward to it.